Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows the revolution will be set to music. Today we have Ozzy, Laura, Zoe, and Kellen. And today we have a very special episode. <laughs> Emphasis on very. Uh. Our, <laughs> our very own Laura. Maybe you've heard of them. Also known as the artist Adelaide released an EP called Dark Truths that may cheer you up. In case you don't know what an EP Ooh. is, I learned that a lot of people. <laughs> thank you. I learned that a lot of people Sorry, like, I was too excited. don't know what an EP is. It's just like a short album. It's basically not a full length album. It's usually three or four songs. <laughs> yeah. And we are taking this opportunity to hype up Laura's EP. Now you know what it is, in case you never heard of it. And we're also just going to talk a little bit about the music industry in general and being a queer musician in this economy, Laura, Laura's going to tell us all about it. Thank you so much for having me, longtime listener. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) I have Chester here with me. You may hear him. He is a loud boy. Oh, we stand a season of the bitch cat. Yeah, he's not in Adelaide, but he's a stan, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought um, as as the president of Laura's fan club that we could start (laughs) off. By reading some, some, some reviews, some, some fan mail that Laura's received oh for their, God. for their EP. And the first is my personal favorite because it is the message that my mom wrote Laura when she bought their um, EP on SoundCloud. Oh, Bandcamp. And, oh, yes. Bandcamp. It's okay. It's all good. We'll send the link. We'll put the link in the description. Yeah. <laughs> um and my my mom wrote love the first song can't wait to listen to the rest you are beautiful inside and out heart emoji oh my god she's seriously such an angel (laughs) (laughs) that is so cute that is so cute that's adorable (laughs) to be clear i've met zoe's mom like twice but they were very powerful times but the second time was for an entire long weekend so you're besties (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> true true um all right this next review says quote dark truths is a work of intimate aching beauty filled with songs of longing heartbreak melancholy and hope adelaide's confessional lyrics and gorgeous voice convey strength and vulnerability in equal measure like a soothing balm for a broken heart uh. that's so sweet <laughs> That is by um, the photographer and union organizer, um, Zach Anderson, who did the photos for this release. (laughs) So cute. Um, And the final review is from a random person on Laura's Tinder who wrote... (laughs) I just really appreciate the poignant and intentional qualities of it. I felt the weepies, the brightness, the hardness. Yes. Anyway, phew, you are the maestro. (laughs) Shout out, random Tinder person. Thank you. Much appreciated. Are y'all still talking? Um... Yes and no, I would say. I would Mm. say it's like they like pop back in every few days. Interesting. Okay. They have a Scorpio moon. We we love to see it. I'm <laughs> having a Scorpio moon summer. It's fine. <laughs> when aren't you having a Scorpio moon season? True. So true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Well, I know we're we're gonna play the three songs and then kind of get into them, but I thought before that, we have a couple of questions for you. <laughs> Um, the first, this is, this is a little bit of a two-parter. Um, the first part is, might we ask what it's like being the most talented voice for our generation? And then just a quick follow-up on an equally serious note. Um, what was some of your inspiration behind releasing this EP? Tell us about it. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. 
Um, I would like to thank my high school chorus teacher, Mr. Gastel, who made me into a good singer out of pure spite. JK, kind of. He took me to the principal's office because I raised concerns about how he was running his classroom. And he yelled at me that, quote, this is a dictatorship, not a democracy. So... Um, Enemy of the pod. (laughs) Yeah, it was actually pretty rough. Um, I had to quit chorus my senior year and singing is like my favorite thing. So um, I also just want to take a genuine moment here to say thank you to my co-hosts for supporting this. Um, Like any support is really, really critical for musicians who are just starting out. So I really appreciate y'all. Um, inspiration behind this EP. Well, so I actually started writing music in 2011. So it's been over a decade of curating a bit of a sound for myself. And my songs have gone through different iterations, working with different musicians throughout the years. Um, Before COVID hit, I was playing shows pretty regularly in Buffalo, mostly under the moniker Blunted Lip. (laughs) Um, I do believe Zoe came to a Blunted Lip show in the summer of 2019. We I did. We Actually, I just got on my phone, I think today or yesterday, like a, a mem from that oh, show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was in the summer. That makes sense. Um. So, but something I've always been a little frustrated with is that I didn't have music to point people to after they came to a show. I would get all this positive feedback at shows and people would want to listen on their own time, but I really had no music of mine online for people to check out. I had done some extremely lo-fi recordings on my own, like literally on my phone, but so much is lost in songs that way that it really doesn't feel like the best way to put my music out there. Um... So in January of 2022, I was reconnecting with someone who I'd played music with for about a decade. We also dated for a good portion of my 20s, LOL, but we were friends for years before that had happened, and we decided we wanted to be friends again and work together on some music. So um, enter my collaborator, MB King, and longtime friend, Michael. So like, as a songwriter, the main thing I want in a collaborative like the main thing I was looking for in a collaborator is one, um, a, someone who would help me create a safe space to grow and learn together. Um, and there will be more on this in a bit. Um, two, someone who knew more about mixing and production. And three, someone who could add additional instrumentation to my tracks to help fill them out. And luckily for me, Michael checked all those boxes. Um, so at first, we just started practicing my songs together. I have about 14 songs that are in good enough condition that they could be on an album. And so we needed to narrow things down. And we settled on these three songs mostly because we were just drawn to playing them um, and liked how the combined sound was coming together for us in these three songs. Um, In full honesty, our original plan was to put out a full album together. But Cest Levi... I had too many feelings, um, you know, a.k.a. the best laid plans of working on an album with your ex may still fail. A Scorpio Moon story. Um, I just realized that while Michael is an ideal collaborator in many ways, it wasn't actually good for my mental health to continue collaborating in that close way. Um, however, before my brain hit its limit, we were able to get these three tracks together and release this little EP of sad bops. And I do think that working with your exes is the sapphic agenda generally. So we, we can't hate on it, but you know, best laid plans, you know, I can hate on it. (laughs) Me for yourself. Yes. Okay. True. (laughs) So Laura, please play a song for us. This first one's called The Sound. I know You've got some things going on And I hope 
Thank you for you. sharing it with us. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I think we wanted to ask a couple more questions maybe before we got into the next track. Yeah, definitely. Yay. Yeah. Um, well, I think kind of more broadly, we wanted to talk more about what, or Laura wanted to talk more about what <laughs> it is like being a queer non-binary musician. Um share pop off pop off um yeah so it's basically one of my favorite things to talk about um to begin with i primarily play guitar and sing um and guitar is an instrument that is very tied up in masculinity it is it has been predominantly played by men it is still predominantly played by men this is beginning to change but it's still very dominated by men can I add something, um, yeah. actually? Yeah. Okay, I really wanted to play guitar when I was little. I did briefly later on. But when I was, like, I don't know, pretty young, I really wanted to. And they were, like, no. This is, like, at a, a music store or whatever where they, like, did lessons at the store. They were, like, no, you have to play violin um, because it was, like, smaller. They were, like, you're you're too, like, little and f- femme and then i did play violin for a while but they like literally wouldn't let me play guitar they have little guitars for little children right that's unreal yeah Yeah. no it's so messed up i mean it's so it's really common though and yeah they were like did you mean a violin (laughs) oh my god no i did not no i did not I also learned guitar at a young age but i had to quit because i was very bad at it it's so, hard. It's yeah, then in high school, I did try to learn guitar, and I wasn't good at it either. And this is why we're so impressed by Laura. So please exactly. go on. <laughs> Tell us more. It's really hard, and it's really especially hard if you're not a man to get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so even in, you know, 
I'm always trying to find musicians that are queer and femme and like playing guitar. And like that is like my MO generally. Like y'all hear me on the podcast all the time. We obviously talk about that in like a bunch of other sources of media. However, it even comes down to things like when there are guitar magazines or guitar companies, like most of those things are run by men. There's one magazine I do want to shout out. It's called She Shreds. They also absolutely support trans and non-binary people. Um, and that is how I feel like I learned to get connected to a lot of other queer and femme musicians, particularly guitar and bass players. And I definitely recommend them. And they have um, an annual like kind of uh, it's a competition, but it's collaborative. It's called a riff a day. And you try to write a riff a day and you have this whole like queer femme community that's um working on that stuff together so i think they are uh, an incredible resource if you're it's something you're interested in getting into which is i know a question later but um so all that to say um playing as a femme person can be really frustrating um I have smaller hands than a lot of men um, I was playing with in my 20s. And um, also boys and men typically have access to guitars le- guitar lessons earlier on, like Zoe was describing. And that's when our brains are like most adept at learning that kind of information. We still can learn it as adults. It's just a little harder for us. And like, you know, if you add in things like ADHD or whatever else, like it makes it even harder. Um, and most femmes I know who play are self-taught and I am also self-taught on the guitar. Um, for years and years, I thought I was a terrible guitar player, mostly because the men I was playing with were annoyed that I couldn't do a lot of the things that they could do. So the first thing I would say is it can feel really harsh or bad to play with cis men, especially if they're straight. And as many of y'all know or have experienced, being queer and trans is incredible because we can just take normative categories or ways of doing things and break them down. So playing follow up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to know, like, what were they annoyed by? And do you know their names and addresses? (laughs) We can talk about it later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Off the record. Yes. Um, But you know, playing with people who aren't in that same boat just doesn't feel great. Um, If people are still stuck in their own binaries and societal constructions, there is more room for bad feelings when you're doing the intimate work of collaborating on a creative project together. So I guess um, one of the things I can say as uh, a queer femme MB is that I prefer not to work with cis men. And It has been incredibly healing for me to work with people who are queer um, because there's just so much more softness as it comes to the songwriting process. Um, And I prefer to work with femme musicians, but that's not always possible. Um, And after I but like. There's really fun things happening. Like after I put out this album, a venue in Buffalo asked me to play a show and I immediately started reaching out to other queer femmes to be part of the show in Buffalo. So because if I get any help, if I get any way to have a leg up, I'm going to try to bring in any other queer musicians along for that ride. Um, I also want to say that as a white person, it's important to recognize the toxicity of whiteness in music. Um, All almost all music as we understand it today is because of the incredible work of black musicians and if we are breaking down binaries of as queer people as it relates to sexuality and gender then we also need to be breaking down and understanding the ways in which white supremacy interacts with music um so definitely make sure when you like one thing that i think is important for anyone to do is if you're looking at you know your most listened to music on spotify if they are all or predominantly all white artists, I would really implore you to intentionally change that and seek out um, musicians of color who make music that you like um, because they are out there and anyone who has all the different um, demographics that uh, impact us in this society 
um, are the ones that we got to uplift in these types of artistic spaces. Totally. I love that approach of like bringing people up with you. I feel like that can be one of the best parts of creative fields. So that's very cool. Um, I wanted to ask more about what your creative process is like, because I don't like I'm a writer, but I don't write music. And I just wanted to know if there's any like rituals or like practices that you do around like getting ready to write a song or like play music. This is such an interesting question. Um, And it's going to be really interesting. I would love to hear from any musicians or songwriters that listen to the podcast, um, what your process is, because it is literally different for every person I've ever spoken to about this. Um, And for me, my music comes from literally a feeling. It's almost like something that sits in my gut and I feel compelled to move this feeling out of my gut by writing a song related to whatever I'm feeling. It's really, really odd. Most of the songs I write in a span of less than 30 minutes, it's like something completely comes over me and I have to get it out. Um, I definitely tweak it and want to improve it after it is in that initial stage. But for me, writing a song happens at random and at the whim of whatever is going on for me internally. And I generally need to be home alone. I really don't like to have anyone hear me working through a songwriting process. It is like something about it is so, so vulnerable that I like whatever my Scorpio placements are just like, no, it no one can hear that. Like it, you need to like have it fleshed out a tiny bit more in order for anyone to hear it. That totally makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of vulnerability, let's get vulnerable with another song from the EP.
called blame it wow beautiful i feel like it's funny because i've heard these all before but it's so fun to like hear it in the context of like you talking about it too yeah yes like a listening party for all of us yeah that one that's i think my favorite because i mean i love it and also because i remember when you sent this is like very, it was very early COVID, right? Yes. Yep. You like sent Kellen and I like a voice note or like a video, yes. like we heard like a very early iteration. So I feel very personally connected to that. Yes. One. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. No, sending voice notes is a, if you're friends with any like musicians, we appreciate you for listening to our voice notes. Thank you. So I feel <laughs> like I, I watched that we we've watched that one grow up right from like its <laughs> earliest stages yeah to you being like i just like did this random thing in my bedroom and now it's <laughs> now it's a whole thing yeah totally fully fleshed fully <laughs> fleshed so i i guess like just thinking more generally about songwriting i kind of wanted to ask if you have advice for aspiring queer and trans songwriters who might kind of be like struggling to find their place in the music world or like unsure if they want to pursue this or not. Yes. Um, first of all, I definitely think you should pursue this. Pursue it. If you're thinking about it, just do it. Just do it. You are probably already better than you think you are. Um, yeah, I just met someone who was like, I don't know, I can't play songs in front of you at all. And then and they're an incredible trans musician and then like played incredible folk punk style vibes like, yeah, can't wait for them to come out with more and that we will hype it here, too. Anyway, all that to say, um, the gatekeeping to this industry is very rough but all I ever want to do is play music with fellow queer and trans people like straight white men. Your time of playing mediocre emo songs is over. Sorry about it. It's time for queer artists and artists of color to be in the spotlight. Thanks. Also, I'm totally down to start a group DM either on Twitter or on Instagram. Um, That's like for queer and trans musicians. So, um, So feel free to hit me up. I'm at Socialist Willow on Twitter. And also I'm I'll link my um, Adelaide Instagram in the description so we can talk there too. But I really want to try to do a lot of work with connecting artists with one another in this way so that we can continue to lift each other up. Um, I've been involved in various um, collaborative art um, kind of residency programs, and I really think there's nothing better than being able to engage with people who are similarly aligned in your creative pursuits. Um, So I definitely like that is the best thing that I can say is try to find community. And if you don't have any, reach out to me. I'm literally happy to be it. Amazing. Well, it, it, it sounds like Laura, you're really thriving. I am actually. Thank you so much for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank Um. you so much. Which I think leads us into the third song called You're Thriving. When I wake up alone again, I wonder if what's broke will mend.
But everything's been off kilter Oh, and solemnly I'm stacking brick by brick Just methodically getting my brain to My brain to stick That's really need like good. a clap track. Yeah. Yeah, so true. <laughs> applause. Applause. Side. Yeah. So I think like after having listened to all of them, I wanted to ask you like what your favorite song was to write on the album. And if it's the same as your favorite one to record and play or if they're different, like what does that look like? Yeah. Well, so for me with this, with the songs that are on this album the answer is the same um and it's your thriving <laughs> it's a song we just listened to <laughs> um so i wrote this song right after michael and i had broken up we were together for like five and a half years and then i found out that they had moved on and basically when i was trying to reconnect with them at the time basically out of desperation you know like you Getting back together with this person probably isn't right for you, but you want it anyways out of your own like desperation and wanting something comfort, comforting. Anyways, I was doing that and I reached out to Michael and basically um, thought we could reconnect. And they basically responded to me that, no, they're thriving now. Um, their life is so much better now. So that's where the song came from. And it personally, I can't imagine my life being better without Laura in it, but that's Points were just made. me. Points were yeah. made. Don't, don't know about that. Doesn't make sense to me, but go on. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, so like I... I sat down, I wrote it, it's literally two chords, and it came out of the really hollow feeling that happens when someone you love moves on from your relationship before you do. And it also was my favorite to record because it's, like, kind of cathartic to record a song with the person you wrote it about. Like, I feel like Michael had a fun time with it and we were able to come to it from a more healed place of friendship. And, like, they were, like, they have obviously acknowledged that like they were not in a good place in fact they were in a really bad place but they like didn't even know that it wasn't really clear to them because they had a lot of things going on um but so we were able to kind of like have our own reconnection over it um 
And I also really like it because we just like the way we recorded it was really fun um, because it, as you you heard, um, Michael does backup vocals as well. And um, in this one in particular, we did a thing where we put the microphone like across the room and we scream sang it from afar and put that like in the background of some of the verses and it was just really fun and cathartic to like scream together about this feeling that I was feeling about them, but like that we could yeah. kind of come together about. Love and I, I just kind of think yeah. it's a banger. So <laughs> it is a bop. Also, I've been hard on Michael. I actually do really love the vocals of this one and mm. that like y'all did it together. That I think the emotions and catharsis of it are definitely palpable. Mm, yeah. I'm also just hard on Michael because I'm Can, Laura's fan club. Well, I was also going to say it's very Sagittarius because when you started it, like started talking when Laura was like, yeah, you know, like they're talking about how their life is so much better now. And you jumped in and you were like, I can't. And I didn't know what you're going to say next, but I truly thought it was going to be, I can't imagine anyone ever saying that about me or oh, something like no. very much like <laughs> never had that experience. So I can't relate. Uh, but oh in your like God. very Zoe way of being like, I'm a Sagittarius and I cannot relate to the feeling of anyone hurting me ever. And I love that about you. I can't relate to anyone hurting my friends ever. I'm like, I no, can't relate to thinking life was more thriving without Laura in it. It does. Again, ludicrous. Seems fake. Seems fake. Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> much. <laughs> Good vocals though. Yes. No, they did I an do incredible the job. They are great. Song. It's okay for my friends to be protective of me, but they are a fine person doing their queer little life, you know? No one is canceled. <laughs> well, well, <TV>. actually. Funny <laughs> <laughs> you oh should God. mention it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I did want to ask because I you talked a little bit about I did want to ask because you talked a little bit about your thriving and the inspiration. Yes. And I want to know if you could rank the songs on this album in order of the people they're about most to least canceled. I'm obsessed with Ozzy being the one to bring the drama. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so... This is what I was laughing at. Like, Michael still isn't canceled, but I was laughing because I knew this question was coming. Um, <laughs> but so I, I'll start with the least canceled. And the least canceled is the sound. So mm. when I play the sound for people, they all think it's a breakup song, which I love for them and for me. Um, <laughs> but it's actually a song about it's kind of like a combined song about a couple of my friends and they both were having just like a really hard time. And, you know, the whole song is basically about like someone's going through it. Like they can't see that like they're going to be able to get through it. Mm -hmm. They can't hear the things around them. Um, and just basically me wishing that they, you know, will get out of this space. But either way, I'm there for them. Um, so no one's really canceled in that. I was just like yeah. feeling the feels of like having friends go through a really hard time. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just kind of witness people you care about going through things and there's not really much you can do um, other than be there for them. So <laughs> least least canceled, <laughs> my friends. Um, OK, so no one's canceled in song number one. Yeah, right. Correct. <laughs> Um, so I would say that most canceled is actually a tie between, uh, you're thriving and blame it. And the only reason for that, like, obviously, like, I want to be clear. Wow. This is honestly way more information than I was anticipating sharing, but like Michael and I are friends. It's fine. And so they're no longer canceled for me. However, how I felt at the time mm -hmm. of writing that song was, Michael was canceled yeah, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. telling me that they were thriving without me. Yeah. They were mm -hmm. fucking canceled. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So I had like it is it was like an extreme feeling that I in, had in the song. They were very canceled. Yes, exactly. Right. And similarly, like 
there's been enough time since early COVID when I wrote Blame It um, that, like, again, the canceling is the feeling that I had during it. And mm-hmm. this person, I mean, like, and you can kind of tell with the tone of the song, it's like, I'm not necessarily mad. I'm just kind of like, you're having a lot of feelings about this. I don't think that you really understand me or or like who I actually am as a person, but that's okay. You can like blame this on me and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, you know, this was a person, this was someone I dated who like dropped off a bag of stuff and like demanded things back. And like, it was like a very intense feeling thing when it was someone I had loved, when it was someone that, you know, like I, I, as a Venus Pisces, have no option but to fall for everyone so fucking fast. And when I'm shown something that then I realize, like, isn't quite right for me or whatever it ends up being, you know, time goes on, you realize possibly different incompatibilities. Um, I think sometimes people need an outlet for putting their anger about a situation dissolving. And I definitely have been the punching bag in, in several situations. So this was definitely that feeling. Um, and uh, that's, I, it's so funny. I totally do remember sending it to y'all in early COVID. <laughs> yeah. I would say that person hasn't been uncanceled. They're just like not relevant. They're not relevant in your life. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. Love it. Is there like anything else that you want to share about being like a queer non-binary musician and making this incredible music? Oh my god. I'm literally been blushing this entire time. I don't know if you oh guys my gosh, can so tell. Cute. I'm literally like bur- like a <laughs> tomato. Um, <laughs> uh, but so this isn't necessarily about being a queer MB musician, but I do want to talk about the barriers to growing as a musician. Um, And I don't even know all of them, to be clear, because it's so gatekeeped. Um, There's so much money, skill, and equipment that goes into making music. If you don't have a label, which basically means all musicians when we start out, everything is self-determined. So like I mentioned before, I had been playing music for years, getting a following, but I couldn't really grow beyond any local scene because I didn't have anything recorded. Recording is an extremely intensive and expensive process because Michael did my album on their own and this was limited a bit um, because of their skill set. But I still, you know, paid them Um, things you might recognize on the album. There's no actual drum kit on the album. Everything is done electronically. And this is one way that musicians get around the costs of recording because the mic setup alone that you would need to accurately record a drum kit well is extremely expensive. Then on top of that, most musicians barely make any money when they play out at shows and we barely make money on recordings as well. Um, the best way to monetarily support a lot of musicians is through Bandcamp and even there they take a pretty major percentage of the funds. If you live anywhere that's not a major city, it's also very difficult to grow. Unless someone is vouching for you or you know someone in the industry who can push your album, it can be hard to grow beyond your city. There's no roadmap, no way to know what to do as a musician. Many of us end up being our own business managers. And let me tell you, that's like not a skill set I really have. I just was diagnosed with ADHD and I really just feel comfortable doing the creative side of things um, and have the rest of it taken care of. Um, Even now, like literally right now, it's been difficult to get my album on the streaming platforms because there's a lot of gatekeeping and distribution. So this will hopefully be remedied in the next couple of days. And once it is, I will link the um, Spotify and Apple Music um, links for the album as well. But um, 
it it's supposed to be available everywhere. Um, and that was supposed to be synced with the release of Bandcamp on Bandcamp. But instead, I'm like hounding customer service people who told me the files I uploaded were corrupted, which spoiler alert, they were not corrupted. It's just literally an error on their end. So the biggest and best thing you could do for any new musician that you like is one, support their music monetarily on Bandcamp. Two, share their music on social media and with people you know. Word of mouth is how many of us can learn about each other. And three, go to local shows and bring as many people as you can. Also, if you know queer musicians who are looking to connect with other queer musicians, try to uplift the ones that you know that might not have a big following so that when someone is touring or anything like that, like other people can jump on their bills. Yeah, I think um, we have one more question before we wrap up. So we had a question from KC on Discord about the binaries that exist within singing and how uh, vocals are like categorized. Yeah. Um, Non-binary queer vocalist icon. Shout out Virgo. We love you. A good Virgo. (laughs) We love to see it. Um, They asked, uh, yeah, this brilliant question. Um, And so specifically, I think they're talking about chorus or choirs. If you have any familiarity with chorus or were a chorus person growing up, you might know that the two categories that are typical for boys or men are bass, which is the deepest, and tenor, which is a little higher. And the two for women are... are, or girls is usually alto, which is lower, and soprano, which is higher. Um, growing up, I was an alto in the New York State All-State Choir, um, as well as my school choir I was a part of. Um, however, for a lot of the musicals I was part of um, in drama club, uh, many of the boys in my drama club had deeper voices for some reason, and they needed more tenors. So I often did the tenor parts, which is traditionally for boys. Um, Iconic. In, in the ensemble songs <laughs> for musicals. Um, all that to say is that singing becomes complicated for many of us who are trans. When someone transitions mask, if they take testosterone, it will make their voice deeper. When someone transitions femme, estrogen does not make someone's voice higher. So there's many trans folks who seek out vocal training after they transition so that they can feel more comfortable in their voices. That is a thing that has a cost barrier to it, right? So that inherently is, you know, its own problem. Um, There is an incredible group of high school choral directors who recognize that this archaic way of dividing up vocal roles ends up being very exclusionary towards trans and gender nonconforming students. So there is a group of folks who try to offer up solos in various different vocal parts based on a student's individual range rather than their gender. Um, Additionally, there's a ton of research now that shows that everyone actually has this wider vocal compass, wider range available to them. We are socialized into using a narrower portion of it, especially in choir. So... um, Head voice is not head voice. Um, this guy, William Culverhouse, who is kind of leading this convention of choral directors. Um, so he's talking about what's termed head voice, which is higher singing with internal resonance in your head. And chest voice, which is lower singing in your chest. Um, you'll gener- you can even hear it in the sound is a really good um, one because like when I do the thing that's like, hear the sound that's like in my head voice and there's the the verses are in my chest voice if you want to hear it auditorily um but those terms head voice and chest voice are gendered ideas not rooted in any necessary pedagogy and not helpful to trans singers basically what it comes down to at the end of the day is getting rid of the idea that women have higher voices than men because if a woman wants to sing her beautiful as fuck baritone voice why should we suggest that it is masculine it's a tone it's a sound it can't have a gender i am obviously no expert on this but i've had a lot of vocal training and it's certainly something i'm curious to see how choral directors continue to evolve as time continues to move forward 
Love Amazing. That. And also, I think you are an expert. Yeah, so. for real. Fine. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, wow. Thank you for having me. I was really, you know, not sure how it would go. <laughs> yes thank you so much laura for joining us thank you everyone else at home for joining us in a slightly different way um if you'd like to join us in a third way with your money you can do so by going to patreon.com slash season of the bitch um if you become a patreon supporter you can join our discord and ask us questions like the last one that was just asked and uh they might show up on our episodes and you'll get to talk to lots of other season of the bitch listeners and us um so very exciting and if you want to reach us a different way, you can always email us at seasonofthebe bee at gmail.com. We are also at season of the bee on Instagram and on Twitter. So check us out there. Anything else? Anybody? Oh, of course. Listen to Adelaide. <laughs> and we'll have all of that info and um, all of the links, et cetera, in the episode notes for this week. So and give them your money too. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> And then send reviews. Oh, yeah. Of (laughs) course. If they're good. Yeah. Let's say love you, Laura. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Basically. Because I'm a baby. Thanks so much. Love you. Love Love you. you. Bye. 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 (laughs) Ozzy's our resident baritone. Bitch.